We're going to jump into uh, sneakers. Our uh, our last episode of our going online season. We're going to wrap it up. We got the excellent cast of sneakers. We've got Surveillance State. We've got the tech that we're going to see in this movie, and of course, the final tale of uh, of the early web for me. This final episode is uh, sponsored by AARP. There's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some boomer talk, too. Shh. Listeners, welcome to a new episode of the Midnight Boys Resent, a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my computer-matched hosts, Joe and Duff. <laughs> oh, great to be here. Just a uh, ran- random ones and zeros brought us together. Yep, yep. Uh, we are, uh, like I said, jumping into sneakers from 1992. Sneak, sneak, the, uh, sneak. <laughs> they be sneaking. Yeah. Uh, this is the final episode, guys, of, um, of going online. And uh, boy, we got. Had any of us seen this movie beforehand? I think this is like a pretty big blind spot in high school. In high school, you uh, had seen it, Joe. Yeah, okay. I I had not seen it. Yes, I hadn't. I hadn't either. Um, there was a teacher at my high school. I didn't have him, but this was his favorite movie, and he would show it to uh, all of his classes every single year. So oh, one okay. thing I learned just about this movie is there's uh, there's sneaker heads. There's a, a strong cult following of sneakers. Really? Yeah, I mean, this movie wasn't like a, you know, it was a modest hit, but I really do think there is, it has sort of like people who've seen this, especially when it originally came out or watched on video, like are big fans, like Joe, you mentioned your teacher and other sneaker heads around. Oddly, uh, I believe it was, in 2012 for the 20th anniversary uh slate had sneakers week <laughs> like six like five or six articles on sneakers i read really? a few in prep for this yes yeah. pretty so, wild uh slate the slate offices or whatever counts for offices are full of sneaker heads huh. well let's let's jump into what happened uh in the movie and then we can uh we can talk about how this relates to going online. And first off, though, we should point out, Duff, this is a nice little um, uh, bookends between where we started yeah. the season it, and how uh, we ended it. And totally by accident that this worked out. Yep, totally by accident. I mean, this whole season, we've been, you know, capturing the zeitgeist. What's going on? What with uh, we, you know, we had some Will Smith content the week of uh, the slap. Yeah, we we had uh, we had Putin. some San- Sandra Bullock content the like within a week of a, a movie of hers coming out. Um, True, we had some uh, nuclear war paranoia movie yep. and war games coming out the same month as the uh, Ukraine invasion. So Trend- we'll see. We'll see makers. what happens. Um, uh, with uh, you know, hopefully nothing happens if. Robert Redford or anything before that uh, episode, before this episode hits. But the well, connection... I, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to predict it. Oh, okay. It's here, Joe. Dan Aykroyd is going to provide concrete evidence of extraterrestrials. <laughs> he found <laughs> them. Is that a thing he does, along with the guy from Blink-182? Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. a big-time weirdo into aliens and whatnot. His, his booze line, like, he sells vodka shaped like the head of an alien. Like yeah, the, the glass it's a shape, like. it's a crystal alien skull, I believe, which yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> huh? 
I've uh, had it. it. It tasted pretty good. Well, the connection to War Games, of course. Well, I shouldn't say of course. I don't think this is obvious. But um, two of the writers behind this movie, uh, Lawrence Lasker and Walter Parks, um, also wrote War Games. And the only reason we end up doing sneakers is we uh, threw it out to our uh, our child army, our listeners, and uh, on, on Patreon. And this was the movie that uh, people wanted to hear us talk about. So we got some sneakerheads in there too. I figured yeah. uh, that col- uh, not collateral uh, black hat was going to. Oh, black hat people! Yeah, the manheads. We yep. had <laughs> the manheads were facing off against the sneakerheads. Yeah, uh, I mean, no chance. That's yeah, stupid. Uh, I mean, as a manhead myself, a little disappointing, but th- this is a super fun movie. So I. It's all good. Yeah, for sure. All right. It's probably, so what, it's probably way better than Black Hat, to be honest. Yeah, I watched probably. Black Hat, and uh, this movie didn't have Chris Hemsworth trying to do an American accent, so I was not distracted <laughs> the entire time. That doesn't it, sound but it, good. But, however, it uh, it does have Ben Kingsley doing some sort of accent. <sighs> he's He's doing a lot of stuff. I totally <laughs> forgot he was in this movie and started laughing out loud when he showed up. Like, because he shows a up man what, bun. Two up, it's not like, even a man bun. It's like a weird, uh, like Padawan rat tail thing. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, I don't it's know. It's like how to a yuppie it. ponytail, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like the ponytail that um, Tim Robbins has in uh, High Fidelity. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or uh, All right. jo- or the uh, for kids in the hall fans, the he's hip, he's cool, he's forty five character. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so let's let's. Let me, I'm going to quickly go over what happens here in sneakers. Um, we have a little prologue uh, in the late '60s. We have uh, two students, uh, Martin, Bryce, and Cosmo. They're sneakers guys. They sneak, and they are hacking into computer networks, and they are uh, sending uh, money from uh, generally conservative and Republican uh, groups over into uh, liberal groups. Uh, yep. I think like legalization of marijuana and among others i don't they remember. empty richard nixon's checking account and have him donate to the black panthers <laughs> as an yes. example yes very funny uh but uh the cops come right when uh when martin is uh heading out to get some pizza and uh you know cosmos left to take the rap and uh that puts martin on the on the lamb guys a fugitive I, i've got a bone to pick about this but i'll come back to it later but let's just okay. all remember that Joe is um, a bone I've, to pick. I'm Joe pick Bone. It. Yeah. Um, Joe Bone. Uh, so we go to present day, and we see that uh, Martin, who's played by Robert Redford, essentially has this, like, uh, uh, honestly, the coolest job in the world. Uh, his job is he's got his team, uh, and they are paid by uh, large banks to try to break in and uh, – you know, penetrate their systems. Uh, yeah, this woman makes fun of them, and I'm like, that job rules. They oh my like, god, what an awesome job! Because here's have, the thing: they have this awesome loft that they work out of. They have an awesome loft in San Francisco. Their whole job is to rob banks legally, essentially. And even if you screw up, you just go to the bank and you're like, oh hey, uh, it's pretty good. You guys are good. So you don't, yeah. need, you, you know, you did, you did great. Yeah, here's that's part like I don't really care a whole lot about like realism, especially for a pretty silly movie like this one. But like they, the lady makes fun of them for how little they get paid. And if I know anything about the wealthy companies in the private sector, like no one earns more for doing less than consultants. Exactly, Joe. That's basically what they are. Absolute scam. They provide. They provide like 
concrete, actionable things to do to improve this, like basically the most important, the sec- one of the most important things a bank does, protect their money. Yeah. There's no way they aren't, they, a, a group like this wouldn't be, ca- be getting paid a massive amount. Are you kidding the, me? The amount they make would, it would probably make robbing the bank seem not worth it. It has like, to, they, to some extent, right? I yeah, mean, that's true. Well, I mean, to be fair, like, I don't, I can't imagine 92, this sort of uh, venture that this company's doing was very uh, well-known or popular. I mean, this is pretty, like, bleeding-edge stuff they're doing in the early 90s, compared to yeah. now, um, especially. Uh, and, and as we'll talk about, like, similar to War Games, like, a lot of the technical stuff in here ends up being pretty right on or pretty forward-looking um, that happens in this movie. I'm not going to go through all the ins and outs of everything that happened, but essentially they get approached by the NSA, asterisk though, guys, we'll get to that, um, to recover a uh, something from this mathematician uh, that he's developed, and they end up like uh, having another little heist and getting it from him, and they learn that it's like a it's like a skeleton key, like this giant code breaker. You can put in any code in any sort of system, and it will just like break through it. Yeah, and um, and you know uh, this movie knows it too, but this is just a MacGuffin. Like this is just you know it's a magic box that lets you into any computer network, and it's it it's the point, but also it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So uh, we end up finding out that it's not the NSA though; it's actually. Uh, who are those guys? Are they working for? Uh, are they working for the uh, well, Ben they, Kingsley? They character? work for Ben Kingsley, uh, and it does not really matter. Like I'm not. I'm still not really sure if they're governments or not. I think it's just. Uh, so Ben Kingsley shows up, and who is at, who is the 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 friend that he left in jail yeah, that he that, took off when he was younger that he thought died in jail. Yeah. Um, so Ben Kingsley has. Uh, you know, like mercenaries, and he has a compound <laughs> disguised as a toy factory, which <laughs> it's is hilarious. A toy factory. And he's trying to get this box because the the future, the future of warfare and control is information, and this will let him get into any computer system. Yeah, and so that sets up another heist where the whole team has to go in. This is very like Mission Impossible esque. They have to go in and uh, you know break into. Um, Cosmo, which has been Kingsley character's office. Um, there's a lot that happens to get to, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we talk about the movie and different things that happen. I, I'm sorry, I'm really like trying to compress this because I don't even know. No, how I, I, like, I mean the get to it when you lay out the the plot, it's you know it's silly, but it's no sillier than a lot of classic heist movies. Like that's the weird thing about heist movies is that the actual heist is in some regards the least important part. It's just about the characters and the dialogue and uh, especially in this movie, the tech. Yeah. And then so essentially they get it back uh, as a lot of lot of uh, twists and turns to do it. And then the actual NSA shows up and they're like, we want that box, man. And they're, you know, the team all asks for the different things that they want in order to get that box. Uh, and they make the deal. But it turns out. Uh-huh. Robert Redford had pulled the chip out of it. Feels like the NSA agent should have maybe looked at it, uh, <laughs> given it a glance or something. Nah. Uh, yeah. But they did not. So then we see. Well, it's at like the this end, guy has a history of, of subversive behavior. So why would yeah. they? Why would they do that? Yeah. Right. Exactly. 
Uh, so we've seen that the RNC, the Republican National Committee, has uh, gone bankrupt, and all these amounts of money have gone to like Amnesty International and Greenpeace and uh, black colleges, and so that's kind of how it ends. So it kind of starts, you know, gets uh, uh, bookended by these two times of like taking money from conservative groups and putting them into liberal groups, and then in between we have uh, a big heist movie with a <laughs> with a great cast. Can you imagine how mad Ted Cruz would be about this movie if it came out today? It is uh, interesting just to a imagine. Bunch of people, just a bunch of Republicans filling their diapers because <laughs> of this Boomer Sneakers movie. <laughs> I have I have never heard this movie mentioned like in like a you know in that way like in like a negative political way or anything like that. And it is wild. You are right. If this movie came out now, thirty years later. You are right. People would lose their minds about it. I mean, They'd be so mad. Probably. But it, it, the movie itself doesn't really espouse any, like, liberal or, no. or leftist values of any kind. It's just the characters, you know, he is a leftist, and that's kind of it. And he does things with, like, at the beginning and the end, like, makes comments. But there, other than that, it's a totally apolitical movie. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Um, and even even the uh, even the big bad uh, Cosmo, like his whole thing is he's going to just destroy the entire financial system. So it's essentially communism. I mean, it makes yeah. the NSA, NSA agents and cops and stuff look dumb. Which, yes. but I yeah. mean, that just means it's realistic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ben, ben Kingsley is just kind of an agent of chaos, and yeah, he's like a Bond villain. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for it, sure. It's it's kind of like he he's like an even dumber version of like tyler durden or something where he's gonna like use this to destabilize the economy like just like you know that i know that it wasn't a real person or whatever but you know blow up all the credit card companies and erase debt that's basically the yeah. same thing he wanted to do with this chip right. right um may i take out the bone and pick it now oh let's pick the bone. That let's bone. do it okay so cosmos basic he's so mad because he's the one that got caught yes it's his fault that he's the one that got caught. He sends him to get pizza. Yeah, so they they he's like does the old like pick a hand thing for which one of them goes out to get pizza and which one of them just gets to stay. And uh Redford he cons picks, him. Yeah, he cons uh, cons Martin. So no matter which hand he picks, he would have to go out and get the pizza. Then when he walks out, he like laughs about how he conned him. And yeah, because of the con Instead of having a fifty percent chance of being the one that got caught, he it, he makes it a hundred percent chance that he's the one that gets caught. So, so the lesson is just get your pizza for your friends. Don't make them do it. Yeah, or at least or, if or you're just, gonna make it a game, be fair. Yeah, don't don't be like a street hustler playing, you know, running a three card Monty's. Uh, yeah, setup. like so. What? How? He doesn't have any right to be mad about it. He tricked his friend. Okay, counterpoint. <laughs> okay. What is Cosmo more mad about, being arrested or that pizza never coming? <laughs> That's tr- Oh, nope. I didn't even think about no this. Is Redford jail. carrying the pizza when he's on his way back? Oh, I don't. Uh, no, I... car won't start. Remember, the car won't start? Oh, yeah. 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 So maybe yeah. that's why he's mad, because he sees him through the window. Um, he sees he never him through even the window coming the back and sees him not holding any pizza. Yeah. So maybe that's... he th- maybe he thinks that Martin betrayed him. Oh, up, or there's just he didn't get the pizza, man. Yeah, or he, oh, you ate all of it. Oh, yeah, real cool, real. <laughs> How cool. can you eat a whole hot and ready by yourself? 
This makes sense why Kazuma wants to just create chaos. To then. be fair, if it was my turn to go out and get the pizza, and I came back empty-handed, Rob would absolutely hold a 25-year grudge against me. Oh, yeah. And, and blow up the world <laughs> financial economy and system. He would use all of his web skills to destroy uh, the uh, world of credit and debt. One of my favorite things that is a selfish, negative part of my personality, and I've tried really hard to spin it into a positive, fun little quirk, yeah. is when there's one <laughs> slice or a piece of something left, and people are like, oh, what are we doing? I'm like, oh, all right, guys, I'll be the guy who takes the last one. I'll do it. Because, you know, no, I mean, in the Midwest, no one wants to. That's not to. that evil. That's, I mean, yeah, I get annoyed at that, too, when, like, um, or, like, some people will actually, like, oh, let's split it up. Oh, that criminals take a little bit criminals yeah absolutely just if do it or don't people, do it people if you if you're with one other person you slice that sucker no in that's half. not what happens you're just like i'll just take half this donut right and someone it's can someone take the last it's half. someone who has weird midwestern guilt about taking the last of anything it's a it's, it's like, a german thing i believe uh to like not take the last piece well not just not, not, yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> they make it with pretzels though um <laughs> Famous always. Pizza. Uh, uh, well, how do you think? Why do you think we started putting sausage on pizza, Rob? Great point, Joe. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's let's talk about the cast here, because I think what we need to do any any movie. This is if you got, if you've not seen this movie, to me watching sneakers, part of me is like, oh, this is like the, the Ocean's Eleven. I mean, this is Ocean's Eleven template in some ways, right? You have like a fun heist, but you also have to have like a certain amount of comedy, and you have to balance that. And I think. This is not as good as Ocean's Eleven, but it's like the same idea. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think this movie is a ton of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it, I, I think there are a lot of similarities to Ocean's Eleven in that, you know, if you really start to think about Ocean's Eleven, nothing makes sense, <laughs> or right. or it seems impossible, and it's kind of the same here. Actually, um, it's very much the same here for these things. But yeah, I mean, it's it's all about movie stars being movie stars and uh so i guess we can get into it is one thing that i really like is if this movie were made today it would just be like two and a half hours of people giving speeches about what just happened because they think the audience is a bunch of idiots and like this movie actually expects you to have a somewhat not even like robust but just a frame of reference about what technology is capable capable of but also what's going on in the world like the end of the cold war and the you know the situation and the new world you know i'll say the new world mm -hmm. see i i would argue that i i would also even argue this movie like i don't feel like this movie is necessarily like adult uh like this movie feels like you could watch it when you're 10 or 11 and oh yeah the parts that work work so it doesn't you just kind of like you know everything else as we talked about the whole plot everything it's all sort of macguffin anyway so you're just in it for like let me see movie stars do fun things let me see them do the heist there's some funny jokes in it uh i don't think yeah. there's anything about this that's necessarily like well uh, I, when I, guess I, say adult, so I guess it's just that it's not pandering in the no way. it yeah. does not pander it, to any audience which i think that's it, what to, to your point of you are right like it's not so, and other than and other than River Feet, like usually movies like this would include like some transparent attempts to draw in like young people or something like that. And unless you're going to argue that River Phoenix being in it is doing that, other than that, like 
th- th- like 18 year olds aren't like you know borrowing their parents car after s- high school to go see the Rod- Robert Redford Sidney Poitier movie yeah you know? <laughs> no that's true whereas like if that's this true. was made now and and the other thing I love about this cast is it's like lots of famous people but they're famous to like us right in like 1992 like they're it's almost all like genuinely wonderfully gifted performers or people that are just ringers for that particular role like i'm not going to say dan Aykroyd's like a super gifted actor but he's perfect for this part and he's in this movie because he is perfect for this part not because like his name being on the poster is necessarily going to draw people in although he's second i think at this point he would be a pretty big draw yeah he would be but yeah like, he's, he's about in, 10 years removed from his peak, I think, from his peak box office. I mean, like, sure. Like, it would just be, it would just be, at this point, the most famous comedian they could be fine, they could find playing his part. But Dan Aykroyd, like, kind of is this guy anyways in real life. Yeah. So it, like, really is a perfectly tailored casting. Um, so I think uh, one thing we can look at to sort of, like, give an idea of what they were trying to aim at is the, 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 uh, the, poster does have the cast on it and the order it has it in is robert redford dan Aykroyd, ben kingsley mary mcdonald river phoenix sydney poitier david strathern did i get that wrong joe strathern strathern yeah. uh and i have i have man i here, here's my one I, I think i'm gonna get i think i might get make i might make one of or both of you mad here Come just on. pull that band-aid off do it embrace debate um, Dan Aykroyd to me is a charmless Jack Black. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really particularly it. like Dan Aykroyd in anything but Coneheads. <laughs> <laughs> but like Dan Aykroyd is like, there's nothing physical about his comedy. I, I, like whereas Jack Black, I'm not, I'm not reducing him to just like a physical com- performer. Like he's. I think sure. all around fantastic. I, I guess I don't. I don't really care about not liking Dan Aykroyd that much. That when when you take me. away his superpower of cocaine, I think it hurts him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess uh, like I, watch this movie. I was kind of surprised, like which people I thought like raised their roles, which ones kind of just did fine, and which ones I were like, man, this you could replace this with a lot of people. I think uh, Aykroyd. And- I think he fits that role perfectly. I think Aykroyd is usually best when he plays the straight man to someone else in movies, at least like Mm. in Ghostbusters, he's kind of the straight man to Bill Murray in Blues Brothers. He's the straight man to Belushi. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I, I think he's good in this. He's not calling attention to himself, but there's, there's, there's an earnestness to how he performs that works in this because like, his character is a is a nerd and a yeah. weirdo, but he he who they call mother. Yeah, he but but he doesn't do any of it with like a wink at the audience at all. Like he performs it all totally straight and with a lot of like I said earnestness. And I think that's essential for this yeah. movie to work. Yeah, I agree. I, think, I agree I, with that. I think of all the people, I thought he was my the one I was least captivated with. Whereas like. The two that kind of surprised me the most was um, was uh, Whistler, the David 
Strathern. I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> I can't. It's fine. It's Strathern. one way in my head, Joe. You can't teach me something seconds before. <laughs> I, uh, say, I, I was being thoughtful. I know. I, I knew know you'd you struggle, were. and I helped you. It just breaks my brain. Uh, he, I, he is one of my absolute favorite actors. I'm I'm with you on that. He's great in everything. Yeah. Guy, you know what happened? I was just so, so upset about uh, that, that like I accidentally pulled the cord out of my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> and I said the right mispronounced it again. <laughs> uh, also, I'm going to say this. River Phoenix is great in this movie, and he doesn't have a whole lot to do, but no. I think yeah. he does a great job. Uh, at every point, and yeah. you can tell, like River Phoenix is one of those, like I mean, obviously he died really young at twenty three. Um, you could tell, like he is one of those young actors that people are like, oh, he would have been a star. And my answer is absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yep. I totally understand why Joaquin had him killed. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, stop! Hey, well, listen, Joe, They're think both about great. it. But yeah, think about it though. Okay. What, what all, right. Is it? I'm, all right, I'm ready to think. Tell me what to think about. All right, just just, just, just let it wash over you, okay? Uh-huh. River right. Phoenix is the older brother of Joaquin Phoenix. Uh-huh. We saw Joaquin in Space Camp. We saw him in Parenthood. There wasn't a whole lot to be excited about. All the while, his older brother is just, just absolute charisma, owns on everything, is great in everything. I'm Listen. I think slipped, that, I think slipped, some, slipped him some fentanyl outside. Yeah, I might have just watched Godfather club. too. But listen, I think I think uh, I think Joaquin had River killed. You're comparing Joaquin to Fredo. <laughs> well, Fredo's no, or I'm no, comparing or no, I'm River. Sorry. Yeah. Fredo. <laughs> and I think um, you know he decided to play uh, pharmacist a little bit before they went I out. Refused to participate in this tasteless well, monologue. Seems like Holly Weird got to you, Joe. Got to you and you just they, can't, can't Joaquin, see the truth. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix literally escaped a cult, watched his younger brother die, and now he has to, uh, I assume he listens to this show, and now he has to listen to you. <laughs> slander. <laughs> slander is good name. I'm just, just throwing out ideas. I'm an ideas guy. <laughs> so, I mean, we've already named off, uh, you know, just if that cast isn't good enough for you, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't and we hang. didn't even mention... Ned uh, Ryerson. <laughs> Needle Nose Ned. Yeah, Steven Toblowski. Oh, man. And Just, James Earl Jones. J- yeah, James yeah. Earl Jones shows Just up. Just shows up at the end. Like, they're right. like, after all this star power and all these twists and turns, we need the NSA agent that is, like, a for real guy to really carry some weight. And they bring in James Earl Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to point out that, and maybe this is my dumb brain talking mary mcdonald sounds like a cocktail doesn't it sound like a cocktail you would order you imagine i I, go to a bar i I guess i kind of hear it has some alliteration right like oh can i get a negroni and uh a mary mcdonald listen (laughs) if an if an an arnold palmer can be a drink a mary yeah mary mcdonald sounds like a delicious gin drink (laughs) all right but it sounds it sounds well, here's Irish. an opportunity for you to invent a cocktail, Rob. Yeah, or yeah. listeners, listeners, let us know what should be in the Mary McDonald. Uh, would would listeners like to know the last cocktail I heard Rob invent? <laughs> no, no, they would not, Joe. I I don't know this. What is it? Uh, 
last time I I heard uh, the mixologist on the other end of my microphone, uh, he was making himself a gin and tonic, but couldn't remember if he had already put the gin in or not. And it turned out to just ended up possibly just being an entire glass of gin that he drank. Yeah, that's true. Mm. I, I wasn't sure if I had put the tonic or the gin in, and then I was like, well, I'll put the gin in regard. You can't, like, no one's just going to drink tonic. <laughs> And so I'm as I was drinking, I was like, I think this is all gin. <laughs> but uh, that's fake. the craziest part is you still didn't know. Well, it was not my first cocktail show. <laughs> I was gonna say you have to be pretty. Uh, you got to be having a good pre- time to make have, that mistake. Yeah, you have to be you have to be partying if you can take a sip of pure gin and be like, uh, is this not gin? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Mary McDonald is when you make a gin and tonic without the tonic. That could be it. Yeah, there we Ooh. go. Uh, <laughs> Can God, I get I a Mary, Mary McDonald on the rocks, please? Guys, I made a Mary McDonald last night, a double. <laughs> I've got and, a little uh, bit of a headache. Can you turn the light <laughs> off? It's hurting my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, super fun cast. Uh, everyone's everyone's doing their things. Robert Redford, fun fact I read about uh, this movie. Originally, the character that character was going to be younger, and his agent apparently talked to the writers, I think, and were like, oh, um, Robert Redford's senior script, he, he might be interested in, in being in it. They're like, you know, it's for like an, a younger character. And they're like, well, he read the script and he would like to do it. They're like, okay, we'll have Robert yeah. Redford do it. <laughs> and I think it works. Oh, yeah. I think, he's, I think he's great in this and is just exuding. I mean, Redford always has charisma, but just boomer dad charisma. His outfits are... Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the, there's the collared shirt on top of the collared shirt. Not yeah. a lot of men can pull that off, but there's the a lot of uh, sweatshirts and suit jackets. Big big casual Friday energy in this movie. Uh, and there's uh, the other the other script thing I was going to mention is they apparently did a lot of time with rehearsals too in this movie after the they cast everyone. So you know do big table reads and stuff, and a lot of the actors were told that they should improvise. And uh, I do know for sure. That the uh, the Stephen Toblowski line when he was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, what did he say? Like I'm pounding some breasts right now, or whatever." When he's like making chicken, yeah, he's in the kitchen. That was improvised. What I want to know is the line when he says, "Would you like to have breakfast with me?" And she said, "Sure." And he goes, "Should I phone you or nudge you?" I want to know if that was in the script. <laughs> so I read that uh, the director told. Toblowski, he's like, listen, your job is to try to make Mary McDonald laugh as much as possible. <laughs> like, it does seem like that. And so they just like let him have free reign, which is awesome. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a tough balance that this movie is trying to do with, uh, you know, sort of like tipping its toe into like this uh, Cold War, you know, Russian Cold War information uh, I mean, I think this movie literally ends with, uh, or not doesn't end, but at one point, Kingsley's character says, it's not about who has the most bullets, it's about who controls the information. What we see in here, how we work, what we think, it's all about the information. Turned I, out to be pretty true, guys. Yep. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty prescient a lot of, about a lot of stuff. Um, and then, But also, like, this movie's pretty funny, and it has a pretty you know serious heist as well it's it's it uh it's fun it's, i think it's the best movie we've, we've done this season yeah probably i think so i mean i you know i really enjoyed this uh it's 
you know, I put in our notes that, uh, and we already hit on this somewhat, is that they don't really make them like this anymore. And some of that's just society's change and there's so many media options. But um, one thing I did want to hit on is that, you know, when I, I guess, in a, I think that you were right, Rob, that if you were like 10, like if you were mature 10, this movie would still work. And yeah. I think this kind of harkens back to uh, like in, the goal in like the studio system days was like that anyone, any age could just like walk in and have an okay time. And some people might get it more than others and some movies would be better than others. But, uh, you know, at its best, like they didn't insult your intelligence. And I think this movie really nails that. Yeah. We hit on this before, but it's kind of wild how forgotten this is or how it, it kind of disappeared even though like it outgrossed a lot of movies that despite are... slate's best efforts <laughs> <laughs> yeah dis- despite slate but like this out this was the 32nd highest grossing movie of the year uh just being beat out by my cousin Vinny. uh but you know like uh this was higher grossing than jfk single white female malcolm x encino man uh the last boy scout uh it was higher grossing than Muppet Christmas Carol. Like, this was, you know, a decent hit. And it's kind of, you know, there's not a lot of memes for sneakers. <laughs> yeah, I guess when you compare it to Encino Man, uh, <laughs> it does feel like Encino Man weirdly maybe has more cultural uh I mean, all those all those sneakers. movies I just mentioned, like, you know, I don't know if, the, if everyone will get it. But I, I hear those brought up. And, like, you know, I might see an Encino Man meme. <laughs> Encino Man will get remade in the next ten years. Yeah, probably. Like that's <laughs> that that's gonna happen. That's what we should do. We should have you know how people do um like the what is it when you like choose which celebrities think are gonna die first? What are those called? Death the, pools? the dead Deadpool. Deadpools. We should have a remake pool. Mm. And, and and we all we all choose like three or four movies we think will be remade, and we'll see which ones happen first. That might be a fun episode. Uh, that's a good. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah, I would. Do All that. right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see if we end up doing that. Um, Duff, I know there's some themes that uh, with just like surveillance state, but also like uh, even bigger themes that you want to talk about in this movie. Yeah, and we hit on one of them, which uh, is this concept of the end of history, which I'm sure people have been hearing about recently. Um this came about like just a year after the official collapse of the soviet union but i mean this idea or the movie huh with this idea of the end of history no the the movie sneakers okay sneakers came out in 92 and there was this essay joe do you remember the name of the person i can't remember now it's uh Uh, not off the top of my head so there was this essay and i think a book by someone about the end of history and uh, they get dunked on a lot and some of it's unfair because what they actually said was that um, it's kind of like okay like the dominant ideology is now like western liberalism mm-hmm. not like hippie liberalism like kind of like sure. 90s Clinton neoliberalism and it was kind of about like you know we're at a point where like this is the only big ideology in the world I'm simplifying a lot. Um, 
but they you know it was kind of like the the two big competing ideologies were the capitalism and communism and communism it looked like it was down for the count and that russia was down for the count spoiler (laughs) yeah yeah uh and it's and i this movie like leans into it you know with the whole like oh you don't know who your enemies are and you don't know who you can trust and uh one of the slate articles said that uh the movie balances gimmicks with a vivid portrayal of the uncertainty of the years after the cold war before one character a russian spy turned cultural attache meets his maker he warns you don't know who to trust the line serves as a focal point for the film which features russians aligned with americans uh pits the nsa against the fbi and sets cosmos band of weirdos at playtronics the toy company that is the front for their operation against everyone else i love the term cosmos band of weirdos by the way (laughs) It's like uh, Cosmos Factory, the yeah. CCR album. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's... Um, I mean, I, I do think... You know, we talk a lot about, um, like, post-9-11 movies and how there's sort of, like, a a certain feeling of them, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they're, you know, probably is the same thing for, like, you know, the dissolution of the Soviet Union and movies that take place... Um, you know or were filmed right after that how that kind of bleeds into into stuff even though it might not be you know the main point of whatever you're watching yeah and i was just again like i think this is largely apolitical but i do think that it was really well done how there's just this uncertainty of like well well now what what happens now yeah yeah that's a good point um we also have, uh, you know, since this is going online, there's not a ton of going online uh, on here necessarily, but there is a lot of... There's a lot of stuff that became key elements of the web and the internet, like right. uh, in- encryption. Computer dating. Computer dating, yeah. Like, that's a big one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a big one. Uh, we talked about ethical hacking. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know... Uh, even like robot dogs (laughs) i forgot about the robot dog yeah yeah there's a robot dog an important robot dog in the plot of the movie who knocks her purse over who by the way i will say this in the movie they give they give um mary mcdonald character the old gin um (laughs) they give her like the toughest role i feel like of everyone where it's like you gotta go on a date with this weirdo (laughs) and like get him to say these words and record them and then like get his you know get his stuff and then hang out and keep him busy like boy that's a lot that's yeah she She does volunteer for it but she has to be an actress the rest of them just kind of sneak around bill murray couldn't do it yeah whereas like you know a lot of them are just hanging out in trucks yeah (laughs) david strathairn just sits in the truck because he's blind like like uh the mary Mary mcdonald's character and and whistler the blind guy are like low-key the most important people uh, for this easily (laughs) is there anything about uh about boomers in this movie that either of you guys want to talk about Hmm. i feel like this is both uh boomers realizing that they kind of screwed up but also 
uh, trying to make amends for things. Because, like, Sidney Poitier's character is ex-CIA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, you know, obviously this movie's bookended by uh, raiding uh, conservative organizations and giving to <laughs> yeah. liberal ones. Um, but I, I think the implication, especially in the beginning, I think the implication is that Redford's kind of a sellout. Uh, that he, you know, he used to be uh, kind of a cu- countercultural. He used to be an like, idealist. He's now a radical. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. He's a and radical. now, you know, now he's like running a company and helping banks keep their money. So, like, part of this is, I feel like, a boomer redemption story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, again, like, I don't think it's political, so it's not heavy handed. I just think it it ends up being that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a good point. Like, I do think. I mean, that that for sure is um, is Ben Kingsley Cosmo's point of view of um, of the Redford character, right? That he is yeah. kind of a sellout, and he used to have ideals, and and uh, you know, on the other hand, Cosmo's kind of gone off the deep end at the toy factory, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> as one as one does. True. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that but that? The, do you think that that factory had like actual toy production to keep up appearances? Like, what kind of toys did they make too? Kids' I mean, toys, I believe. Is that what did, you're asking, Joe? No, I didn't mean okay. that way. <laughs> it's I a giant, mean, like, <laughs> giant dildo factory. <laughs> Touchy's toys. <laughs> Touchy's. Cosmos plugs. Oh. <laughs> no, I I think well, okay, I, they, probably like robot Cosmo's toys, right? Rocket handle, because <laughs> I mean, because they got robot the robot dog. dog. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. So it's so that's... like, do you think that there's like resentment? Uh, because there's like uh, you know, like the toy division who are just a bunch of nerds making toys, and that's like you know the mercenary division, and they see each other in the halls, and it's like oh. Look at the toy I don't guys. think the toy division is aware of the mercenary stuff. Oh, you think they just think they're going to work at a a compound to make toys? Yeah, they're just making the toys Why like are Santa's so workshop. Guys with guns here. Maybe they think they're at like Wonka's factory or something, and all the guys yeah. with guns are just to keep their robot dogs top secret. Yeah, they <laughs> so, could just be like, "Listen, we have IP here. We can't have people." you know knowing our big toys for the christmas season so that's why we have the security here it's like wow hey, i had to do guys, a lot of back i had to do a lot of background checks to work at this toy factory yeah, don't you think it's weird how like they're spending so much money on security but uh we n- no one ever buys any of our toys <laughs> i've never seen one in a store have you no I've, i think they're selling them. that's feed- where the money's coming in i haven't gotten I think- any feedback on my to- on my toy designs <laughs> I, I I didn't really pay too much attention to the the toy subplot. I guess that's kind of um, the most boring part of the movie. When like, even though it is Ben Kingsley, which like is great casting for this, but it does it slow kind the of movie a, down. I think it's a. I think the biggest knock is that it's kind of a weird transition, and that it almost goes from like it's not nearly as serious as you know those 70s paranoia thrillers but sure i mean it's it's in that vein you know there's murders there's murders there's you know uh there's double crossings and then like the last third of the movie is let's break into the toy factory (laughs) let's have a let's have a blind guy drive a car yeah Uh, oceans 11 would like saw this was like we need to like make it not so serious so how about we make the guy rob a place because he's mad that he lost his girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I will say, okay, so if we're, if we're lump-cutting this movie, 
I'm oh, going. That's to. not what I was trying to do, but I'm doing it. All right. I just think there's I, a I, there, there's a tonal shift. It's it doesn't you know I still think it's tons of fun, but there is a shift. I would remove the entire Redford Kingsley backstory and relationship. I don't think it's necessary in any way. We don't need to know, like, because when it when it's Ben Kingsley, like, you just go, like, oh, it's his friend. You're like, well, obviously it's his friend. Like, there's, it's not a good payoff. It's not particularly interesting. It can just be him trying to get the black box from this evil guy. Yeah, I, I think if it were done better, I would care more about their prior relationship. But I actually think you're right, uh, especially because earlier in the movie, like ten minutes in, it's like, oh, he died in jail. I'm like, oh, I wonder if we'll see him again. And yeah. he didn't actually die. Right, well, yeah. They they didn't make Ben Kingsley's character like charismatic enough is the problem. Like mm. it only works if you can if you feel genuine temptation for Robert Redford to just go along with him. Sure. Yeah. But you Ben don't. Kingsley, like Like you said, he's a very a Bond talented villain. guy, not the most subtle performer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like he doesn't really he can't pull he just can't help but go Bond villain mode and like you don't really feel even though what he's what he is saying makes sense, I think, like I, on the page, you see that temptation, but the way yeah. Kingsley performs it, it doesn't really. It's just too yeah. maniacal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we all agree. We all agree. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, what do we What do we want to wrap up here on this season? Do you want to want to go right in the tales of the early web, or are we scrubbing stuff from our brains first? What would you prefer? Uh, let's do a Let's do a tale. Yeah, because okay. each each of these tales has has gotten better, so there's right. there's pressure. I don't, I don't think that, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna top it. The, this one I will. Uh, it's a, a bit of a longer story, but I will, I will try to compress it as much as. Does I it can. involve you making a website or posting something, some no. picture? Okay. No. Uh, when I was in high school, junior year, you are asked to, um, or you, you can apply for the National Honor Society, mm-hmm. and. Um, myself and another friend of mine, and I should point out in this whole story, I'm well aware that my friend who would become our valedictorian is the important person in this story. I am the sidekick. I get it. Um, but we uh, were both like top 10, you know, by GPA or whatever. We're doing well at school. And so it came time to like fill out, you know, our application to and to the National Honor Society for NHS. And uh, we, at the time, were both playing a lot of online video games, guys. We were, and this is like dial-up time, right? So this is all text-based chat. We would play, uh, there was a Star Wars game that had a, called Jedi Knight, that had mm-hmm. an add-on called Mysteries of the Sith, and we were both, especially me in this, very good. I like, it, it's silly, but there was an actual, like, there was rankings, and like, there was different classes, and in one of the classes, I was like top 10 in the world. And uh, there was like a whole community that you were part of. And listen, when you're 16 years old and you don't know what you're doing, just being in a group of people who are like, you're good at this thing. And you're like, yeah, I am. And <laughs> to interact with them like means something. It's part of the going online season. It's I get it. So anyways, we put that on our thing to why we should be in NHS because we didn't really have like great sports things to put in, right? Like the stuff that a lot of other people in the class had. So we both applied, and then you know a month or so later, uh, the teacher who was ahead of NHS called us into his his room, and he was upset that we put uh, our uh, achievements on online gaming 
This is in 1999, <laughs> 2000. Which is funny now when you think about it because, like, esports is a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and he was like, so you're not getting into NHS. What? What? And we were like, wow. And he's like, yeah, this is serious, and you guys didn't take it seriously. And we both like, how is this any different than being good at football? Like, why does that matter? Why is it different? And, you know, we pushed back a little, but he was like, no, this is, you know, I think it is. He's like, I taught them a lesson. Okay. So fast forward, my friends. <laughs> he did know, not, to be clear. No, he did not. He did not. So fast forward, uh, my friend and I are like, well, you know, we got to have something good on our resume. What should we do? So we're like, okay, let's create our own club. On, on, we created a computer club, all right? Nice. So we could play, create a computer club, which was me and my friend, and then like three like, you know, underclassmen nerd kids who were, like, really into, like, a group where they can talk about computers. So we would, like, host these meetings once a month or whatever. I don't know. Like, in the cafeteria or in some room. We didn't really do anything. But then we could say in our college resume. Did you have a charter? (laughs) We probably did. So we were like, oh, we started it, and we put on our resumes, and I get into the University of Wisconsin, and my friend who's way smarter than me gets into Yale. And, uh... The uh, fall comes up for senior year, and they're like, hey, everyone, you can apply for NHS. They're letting people know who are juniors and also if you're a senior and you want to get in it. And uh, we didn't apply. And the uh, same teacher calls us in. He's like, guys, I noticed that you didn't apply for National Honor Society. And we both said, yeah, but we don't need it anymore. We already got into the colleges that we want to get into. We're already in. Got his ass. We don't need it. And he's like, well, you really should do it. It'd be really great. We're like, nope, not, not going to do it. God, that must have Two- felt so good. Oh, it felt so good. All right. <laughs> Man, Two more that, things that happened. Is, that is a well-earned revenge. Two more things happened that make it feel good. One, for whatever reason, even though uh, I am who I am, I've had certain amount of influence to get people to do things in my life. So when it was time, to, like, you know, with scanners and stuff. <laughs> Just kidding. Um... <laughs> When it was the time to get a Cronenberg movie? <laughs> no, from earlier, from You've like Got Mail. Getting, oh, getting yeah, some yeah. girl to put her boobs on a scan. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was time to get her senior picture with the, the computer club, right? I mean, oh, the yearbook no. picture. I don't like so where it this was, is going. It was like the two of us and these three nerds or whatever. And, <laughs> uh, and we're like, oh, man, let's get some people. So I just asked a bunch of friends to be in the picture. So in the yearbook, the computer club is like half girls, half boys. It's like 25 people. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the most popular club. It looks like a legit club. It looks like a legit club. I, can, I I think of people who I went to high school with who probably like get their yearbooks out, you know, 15, 20, 10, 15 years later, and they're like, why was I? Oh, Rob asked me to stand in this picture. Okay, so then we have this huge computer club that has all these people. Fast forward to the graduation day, okay? About to graduate. We're in the gowns. It is the time to go on the stage. You had you sex got with different... the teacher's wife on the stage. <laughs> no. Nope. Oh, <laughs> you murdered that teacher. Nope. <laughs> you have different color sashes. So if you're in the top ten in the class, you have, like, a different color sash that comes over. If you're an NHS member, you have another sash that comes down. And yep. my friend was the valedictorian. I don't know if he had a special sash. He probably did. So we were both top ten. He was valedictorian. Neither of us have the NHS sash. The teacher, this is minutes before we go on stage. <laughs> the teacher's like, hey, guys, you sure you don't want to be part of NHS? What? And we're Come like, on. no. And he's like, I have them right here. You just say you want to be part of them. 
you could put it on. And we're both like, <laughs> just, nope. This just cheapens NHS for everyone now. I like, know. Well, as opposed to how important it is. Well, no, I'm um, just, I mean, I'm saying like, even if you are really sure. into NHS, like now it's just like, oh, well, you somehow were smart without it, so you can have this. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And let me be clear. I'm sure I was not the person they wanted. They wanted my friend who was valedictorian, but he knew he had to get both of us to agree. Mm-hmm. And uh, it felt good to say no both times. You were the Thanasis to his Giannis. That's right. That <laughs> is right. Um, still got that ring, baby. Uh, yeah. You know, so that uh, that is uh, that is my last tale of the early web. I was very proud of how good that, I was at an online video game, and I put it on a resume and got rejected, but still won. That is <laughs> that's super satisfying because uh, spite. Spite is underrated. Yeah, Drew Duff would be into the pettiness and spitefulness of this. Spite, spite uh, tastes so good. I mean, this happened 20 years ago, and I still feel good about you it. You remember There's all pettiness the on both of sides of this story, actually. The teacher and you. This like is that. just, yeah, this was the teacher just being, you know, having his head up his ass about, you know, I mean, all this He tried to teach just... a lesson, and he got owned. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So... That's my last tale of the early web, because we can't do any more in this season. I don't have any more. Six, six is a lot of tales. You gave us a lot of tales. Um, no, you're, you're like Tolkien. You're, you wove a, a rich universe. <laughs> uh, what are we scrubbing from our brains, friends? Hmm. Uh, I'll start. Okay. Um, I, this has been true for, amazingly, like 25, 30 years now. I want to scrub everything I know about Jared Leto from my brain. <laughs> Fair. Just yeah, a, that's a good just, answer. Just a despicable human being in many different ways. Uh, just one of those dudes who, you know, method acts just so he can be a dick to people. Also apparently is, uh, you know, an, an actual pedophile or at least a, uh, Praise on minor teenage girls. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know where the cutoff is for the term pedophile, but the term pedophile being tossed around a lot these days. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jared Leto. Uh, just you want to scrub him from your brain. I want to scrub. I want to scrub all his dumb fat suit rolls from my brain. <laughs> why? Why are you getting Jared Leto to play this forty-five-year-old Italian guy in House of Gucci? Why? It's stupid. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm fine. I'm fine with a, a, a Jared Leto esque world. If we if we just like erase, you know, we 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 Terminator his ass and go back in time. Uh, what's the loss? All I could think of is my uh, my wife when she was younger liked my so called life, and I think she had a crush on him oh, from his role in my every life. like every Gen X millennial in that sweet spot there. Yeah, like, and I get it. I mean, he's dreamy teenage guy but like everything since then is just despicable right right uh joe do you got one yeah i'm done with awards done with awards and talking about them i I, it's the oscars nba mvp nba mvp i was thinking that's uh, where probably was coming from anything about an award or tangentially related to an award i I just don't care like let's not no more awards unless you're gonna give us one there didn't used to be award season and right now there's like there's like oscar season and 
you know, I don't know as much about sports, but I, from what I absorb, it's, yeah, just milk it for as much as you can so So you can sell ads. Here's all I'll say. I'm okay with awards, but I don't want to talk about it until it's time to give the award. Right? You're not allowed to talk about it again. Like, I, I guess we've argued about, like, Academy Awards from, like, 20 years ago on our show and i guess i I have to you know own up to it i guess we shouldn't have done that because it's 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 just out of hand i just don't care anymore i I think it's i think that's fine what i can't take is when like you'll already see articles on and these are like things i read and you know generally enjoy like vulture or hollywood reporter or something they'll be like how the oscar race the 2023 oscar race is shaping up it's like no stop (laughs) and like no people that like all these like comic book nerds that are like get so mad when their favorite comic book movie doesn't win best picture or something as if like these award shows uh like they're not giving your movie recognition means that um they're devaluing your experience watching it it's like Oh, we're all just, it's just exhausting. Just, it is. Everyone it just is. needs to grow up, man. Listen, I'm just guys. I'm so tired. It's, Listen, listeners. You should be able I, to talk about the Oscars for like two, three weeks ahead of time. That's it. Yeah. I I will say, you know, every year some uh, some publication will list out the best podcast of the year. <laughs> yeah. I look at it every year and we've never made it. And, uh, and I think our listeners, I, th- I thank them for sticking with us without our awards. <laughs> you didn't manage to, any of them. You didn't manage to rig to rig it this year. Not this year. Um, <laughs> Who won last year? Was it like probably like what the Obama Springsteen won or some stupid I crap have no like idea. that? I don't know. I don't. No. There's like a list of like the 50 podcasts, best podcasts from the year, and I'm like, oh, nope, didn't make it. Um, it's okay, sure, it's it funny that sure you in- look. It for sure involves some type of murder. Someday, yeah. guys. Someday, some an influencer is going to find one of our shows, and we're going to be mega out of a job. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And that. Uh, here's mine. Here's mine. Uh, I have, uh, you know, started a few days this week. Woke up and uh, got out of bed and had a little bit of lower back pain, friends. A little bit of lower back pain. You know? Yeah. Uh, Did we get a sponsor and... I don't know about? And this is a <laughs> is this a is this a read? <laughs> you kind of stretch out. <laughs> you kind of stretch out, and you try to like you know figure out what it is, and you stand up, and luckily you know as the day goes on, usually by like mid morning it's gone, and I feel fine. But then I'll sometimes wake up the next morning and I'll have that lower back pain. So I googled <laughs> lower back pain in the morning, and I okay. found out about Helix mattresses. No, no, it comes no, in guys. a box to your door. <laughs> no, one of the first things I've read about were spinal tumors, mm. uh, tumors in your spine that would cause pain. That's what I want well, to discover from my brain. That's what you. That's you can't look up pain or illness of any kind online. It I always understand. leads to a tumor. But I did, Joe, and I want to scrub it. Okay. I don't want that. I don't want to think. I didn't even know spinal tumors were a thing. You can get a tumor like anywhere. Well, I, think I, I would assume, spine. right? I don't know. I'm not the tumor <laughs> expert. I, I think you can get tumors to, anywhere. I'll have to listen to that famous Fleetwood Mac album, Tumors, to learn more. <laughs> tumors. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a, it was about when Stevie Nicks had a mole removed or something. <laughs> and and uh, Lindsey Buckham wouldn't drive her to the appointment, and she was really mad at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed. Fleetwood Mac album. tried to cure those tumors with cocaine. <laughs> Here, rub some of this on it. Um. Anyways, um, that's what I want to remove. Uh, friends, what did we learn? What did we learn from this? Um, it's 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 boring to watch people type on a computer in a movie, <laughs> but we knew that already. But uh, having to watch several of these in a short time frame really drove that home. Fortunately, sneakers didn't really have any of that that I could think of. That I could. I will say. Anyways. I will say that even for like looking at older movies, like we went all the way back to War Games, which is like mid to early eighties. Um, weirdly enough, there's more right than wrong. As much as we laugh about some of the stuff that's like silly and doesn't make sense no, uh, in yeah. a lot of these movies, that's true. you know, um, they do. Yeah, sort but of unfortunately, like, a lot of it was bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. A lot of them were like, "This is the worst case scenario," and here we are, yeah, we're in that well, timeline. So, screenwriters, when in doubt. Just assume things going forward will be worse, and you have a better chance of it being right. Correct. Um, Duff, do you want but, anything to that? No, just, I mean, I. it sounds like a cliche and just being negative for negative sake. But I'm like, yeah, everything turned out bad. <laughs> but, yep. but eventually, here's the bright spot. We did get that pizza ordering technology we saw on the net. <laughs> yeah, and listen, people... We didn't even know that we could just record ourselves talking about the stuff we would normally talk about anyways together, <laughs> and then strangers would listen to it. And pay we us money. Now. And some pay us money. Great segue. <laughs> uh, if you go to... It's what they uh, call a toss in the biz. <laughs> if you go to patreon.com slash the midnight boys, for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to even more episodes of stuff that we talk about you even get uh, whatever didn't make this episode and others get to put in the after dark area if you pay six dollars you can start making choices that allow us to do things like choose we're going to talk about sneakers as the sixth episode of uh, a season um so yeah you can do that and we are uh we're going to take a, a a a short little break you know we got to we got to recombobulate and figure out the next season but we do have at least one patreon episode where someone has paid us 50 dollars and we put it on the public feed we have uh uh murder by death a uh, movie that we are going to be talking about and so that will be coming out in i the don't near believe future. any of us have seen it but it sounds good yeah yep i i so, mean uh, we, we you guys haven't given approval for this but i can just say what the next season will be and if you guys don't want to do it we'll just cut this out oh well boy this is live let's do a live I have yeah, told Joe. both of you about it, but maybe you. Forgot. Okay, I was gonna say what, you what, did. Was I was I Mary McDonald or two in? <laughs> I, think, I if it's what I'm thinking of, I believe you, you told have. me. Uh, I I don't know if you guys have heard this or not. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to work anymore. So this generation's lazy, is what I hear. <laughs> absolutely, that's absolutely clearly what's going on in America mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so, a right to rest. <laughs> so we're gonna look at movies that explore um why that is which is work sucks that's our next season know. work yeah. sucks. Whole season of work sucks so movies that explore I- i've got it working on on our list taking different angles on why work sucks um, and let me be clear 
for when we become famous and uh, influencer pushes this episode out and a lot of people listen to it. Our works, the work that the three of us do outside of podcasting, does not suck. Am I right? They're they're like a family. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun around here at the office, <laughs> for sure. No, yeah, I mean, I overall, I like my job. But, you know, I didn't say my work sucks. I said we're looking at movies that explore that idea, different ways that work can suck. Mm-hmm. Thank but you, it, Joe. it usually does. It usually does suck. Theoretically, if work were to suck, what would it look like? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, well, uh, listeners, thanks for going online with us. And, uh, you know, we'll be back with uh, a couple more episodes. And then work sucks, theoretically. Goodbye.